Hi friends, welcome to the Mobile Bev Pros podcast, a podcast dedicated to providing mobile bar professionals with the information they need to succeed. I'm your host and fellow mobile bar owner, Sarah Murphy. Each episode, I'll be bringing you interviews, knowledge, anecdotes, or opinions with the goal of assisting you in building a profitable, sustainable, and scalable mobile bar business that will support the lifestyle you dream of. I'm excited for today's episode, so let's get started. Today on the podcast, I'm speaking to Hannah Hervinson. Hannah knows marketing isn't for everyone. This is why she founded Done For You Marketing. She and her team link arms with businesses that are ready to amplify their voice and offer marketing strategy, copywriting, funnels, and website development. She believes entrepreneurs should remain in their zone of genius while an expert team takes care of getting their brand and messaging out there. Hannah, welcome to the show. Yay. Thank you. I feel like I should have a libation or something like having a cold one. (laughs) This is fun. We appreciate all types of beverages, alcoholic and non-alcoholic, coffee, tea, lemonade, you name it. We do not discriminate on what type of liquid is in your beverage, but we are very excited to have you here and to talk to you about all things small business, specifically around marketing, visibility, and even a little bit of delegation. Totally. Yeah. I mean, they all go together, right? Like we joke about, it doesn't matter like what beverage you have. And I think there's something really important for us to talk about when we have an idea or we have this like, okay, I'm going to be the lemonade person, or I'm going to start my mobile business. We have this vision of what we're going to do, what we're going to have. And then it quickly becomes something very different, especially in those first couple of years where it's like, you're being scrappy and you're wearing all of the hats and you're trying all of the things. I think that this conversation around getting yourself out there in a strategic way and also establishing your team in a strategic way go go hand in hand. So I'm happy to see where this conversation goes today. Absolutely. I was actually on a discovery call just this morning where someone was in their very beginning stages of their mobile bar. And she shared with me at the time that she got into the industry because it looked like so much fun and she had no idea how much went into it. And I think that every entrepreneur kind of resonates with that same sentiment in that when we first start a business, it's from a place of passion and Mm -hmm. excitement. And so there's a ton of momentum and we don't really think too hard about the details of how it's going to work, what it's going to look like, all the different hats we have to wear. And if we did, I almost think that we would have fewer entrepreneurs if we, if we spent too much time thinking about all the details. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's that e-myth, right? The entrepreneurial myth. And something that you said right before we hit record or started this was that we do often think we're entrepreneurs, but we actually are just employees to ourselves. And we didn't want to be employees. We also didn't really want to be like a boss. And now we like create these new boxes or these new structures for us because as much as it is fun and games, there is a lot to learn outside of just making a wicked cocktail or having a really fun bartending presence. There's so much that goes into having something that moves beyond a hobby and is a sustainable, profitable business. Yeah, I mean, part of the work that I do with the mobile bar community is bringing awareness around the entrepreneurial employee mindset, wherein you've spent your entire career, most likely going to school, being conditioned to take directions, going to university, being conditioned to take directions, becoming an employee and taking directions, and then going off on your own, 
and then having no one to give you directions. And and there's a, a real shift that needs to happen. I call it wearing your CEO hat, where you have to like take off the employee hat and put on your CEO hat. But we don't typically have the muscle memory for that when we're just mm-hmm. coming into the entrepreneurial space for the first time. And so it does require practice and a little bit of breaking old patterns in order to really fully embrace the fact that like you don't have to, like you said, have boxes in your business that look like the boxes that you had before you started your business. You don't have to work nine to five. You don't have to, you know, do emails in the morning. You could be doing emails at nine o'clock at night if you wanted. This is your empire and you get to build it however you'd like. Yes. And if you're anything like me, that freedom is exactly what motivated you to start this thing at the beginning. Like, I don't want to answer to someone. And then I still find myself too, like, why am I at my desk at 9am? I could be in my hammock or I could be like doing this later, right? That conditioning piece is huge. I'm like, oh, mindset. That's the other thing we learn. We have to lean into is this like whole world of mindset and reprogramming that you're touching on. And really, that is the work that inspired me to start thinking differently about my business. It was the mindset work that motivated me to stop trying to do all the things and really inspired a pivot for how I ran my business and how we've been able to to scale. Yeah. And your business is called A Dream Life is Real Life, correct? Yes. So that's my podcast. I have a book written under that name as well on Amazon. But our company, that's like my brand. You can get a t-shirt. You know, I got t-shirts that say that, but our company <laughs> is done for you marketing. Amazing. And it helps you make your dream life your real life. <laughs> yeah. The minute I saw dream life is real life, I knew I had to reach out and engage with you because I had this like life altering experience in 2016, which is why I'm here right now in this seat mm-hmm. right now today is because I had just had my second baby and I was on maternity leave and I was asked not to come back. The company was downsizing and it like totally wrecked my life. And I decided that I would never be at the discretion of someone else as to whether or not I was going to be able to feed my family any longer. And so I started off on my own journey. I got my own domain and the password at that time for that was dreams are reality. And so when I saw your dream life is real life, I'm like, well, that looks familiar, obviously a kindred spirit. So we share, I think (laughs) we share a perspective on what it means to create life and how it starts. Taking that responsibility, 2016, we we are kindred spirits because that was the same year that I was let go from my dream job. And I was able to see the the opportunity eventually, right? You got the rug pulled out from underneath you. And then this space and this opportunity and this freedom idea really got into me so much that I was just saying that all the time. Dream life is real life because I was like exploring things that I never thought about. My previous career was in academic advising, which is exactly what we are talking about with boxes. I would literally sit in my cubicle and watch these bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, smart college kids come into my office and tell me their goals and their dreams. And I would slide a piece of paper with like 30 majors across the table and say, so biology or psychology (laughs) based on everything you just told me, right? And that's how I was indoctrinated, if you will. And so when I was let go from my dream job, then I had all this space and I had all this opportunity to do the rewiring around, well, what if I didn't choose one of those 30 options for my own life? What if I started teaching yoga and 
getting a health coaching certificate and teaching a spin class and just like doing the stuff I love. And it was like getting away with something. It was like, wait, this can be my real life. I was like, dream life is real life, like this secret thing. And the more that I lean into my zone of genius, the things that I'm passionate about, things that excite me, the more that I keep just like, wow, okay, this can be the reality. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) My husband just started his own law firm and he has been, for lack of a better term, a company man for his entire life. And he, it's like been three weeks now and he was very uncomfortable because he's like, what am I supposed to be doing right now? Because he's in the process of like becoming visible, right? And so yeah. there's a whole lot of like empty space in there where yeah. you're just like waiting for the phone to ring. And his brother, who's also an attorney, asked me the other day, how's John doing since he's a full-time entrepreneur now? And I told him, I was like, he's a bit lost, if I'm going to be honest, because he's in that nebulous space where you're uncoupling yourself from all of these routines that have been forced upon you throughout your whole life and coming into the realization that like you get to build this to look anything you want. And it's very uncomfortable to be in that space. And so oftentimes what I see is that people get into the mobile bar space because that's who I work with. And they start trying to create a structure that looks very much like they did when they were in the working world in that Monday through Friday. But then they're also working on Saturdays and Sundays sometimes because we're an events-based industry. So then they just work all the time. And my husband joked when I did the same thing. He's like, there's an old saying, Sarah, entrepreneurs are the only people that'll quit a 40 hour job to work 80 hours for themselves. And I'm like, you're so right. Why am I doing this to myself? I don't have to work all the time. I do not have to grind, especially if there's more intention around it. And you use this term that I love to look at, which is freedom. Oftentimes people start their mobile bar business or any other business because they're searching for more freedom, but then haven't actually sat down to ask themselves, what does freedom look like to me? Like there's this concept of freedom and we know we want more freedom, but what does it look like? And when you start putting words underneath that column in your notebook, it's actually pretty achievable without a whole lot of money or even a whole lot more time than you have right now. It might look like being room mother for your kids because they're you know young and in school and you want that flexibility. It might look like taking a sick day whenever you want instead of having to like ask or feel badly that work isn't getting done. It may look like being able to read until 10 o'clock every morning because your brain doesn't turn on until then, right? It could look like any number of things, but unless you ask yourself, I did this because I wanted freedom. What exactly does freedom look like to me? That's mm-hmm. when the real journey starts. I love that. I love that. And this relates too to some of this conversation around living in your zone of genius. I think there are these like natural phases of business, right? Where it's like, okay, and we can get into cash flow and all that kind of stuff. But like your husband is at the point of like, okay, I'm laying a bunch of foundations, I'm showing up, I'm doing a bunch of stuff, I'm building it will they come, right? There are some of these like natural phases. And I think when we want to ask ourselves, what does freedom mean to us? Or how do I want my day to go? For someone like me who, I moved to Mexico and just like want to be at the beach all the time, okay? I think play is so important. And so for me, it's like, okay, putting that into a schedule. Like I had a coach once that was like, okay, what time in your dream life? When do you wake up? What do you do? And I'm like, I don't want to, I don't know. That's the whole point. I don't have to know that. Right. And for me, an exercise that was more powerful was looking at the zone of genius quadrant 
which I think was originally from Gay Hendricks in the book, The Big Leap. And he breaks it down into these four areas of your zone of genius being those things that you would do for free all day for anyone. This is what you were put on the planet for zone of genius. And there are very few things in that. Then we have this other place that's really sticky called our zone of competence which are the things that we're good at and we get paid for and people even praise us for and we can do it, but someone else might be able to do it even better. And then the lower two quadrants, I'm the exact terms are escaping me, but it's basically zone of excellence, right? Where you can like, you can do it, you can effort it. And then like zone of UG really, <laughs> which I <laughs> have coined myself, which is like the stuff you hate doing, but you make yourself do anyway. And when you can look at, okay, I know what things light me up, my zone of genius and what I would do for free. And probably the reasons why you started your mobile business was to like interact with people and be creative and travel and have more time to be house mom or room mom. I don't have children myself. So some of those things are very foreign to me. But when we can start to think about living in our zone of genius, we get to think bigger than ourselves, bigger than our day-to-day -day routine, bigger than the like, how am I approaching this day? We get to start to think about the impact and the company and the influence that we can have on others around us. So I love that. Like, what does freedom actually look like for you? And what is actually in your zone of genius? Because I had a whole lot of insights when I first did those exercises together. Yeah, no, I love that. I've actually, I've done the second exercise, not the first one. And I do talk in the Mobile Bar Academy. I have an entire lesson on zone of genius. And most of the time people are reading that particular lesson when they're in what I lovingly call like the hustle phase. You're doing all the things, you're wearing all the hats because at this stage in the game, you feel like you have to, and I'll, I'll clarify that in a second, but you feel like you have to. But what we really need to be doing at that time is taking stock when you're doing everything. What are the things that you're really good at and you love doing? Now you might have to do things in the other four quadrants at that time, but as your business grows and you start to become more successful, you start with that bottom right quadrant and get that shit off your plate as soon as possible. And then slowly over time, the bottom left quadrant and then the top right quadrant. So until you can just totally survive and spend all of your time in that zone of genius space, because that is the absolute life right there. And I'm like, I feel very blessed that right now I get to do that. I've recently built my team out to the place where I have them handling most everything. And I get to spend all day doing the thing that is in my zone of genius box which is creating content, teaching, and just talking about the things that my community has told me they want me to talk about. I could do that all day, every day, and I would never get tired doing it. And that's the life that everybody, like that, everyone can do that. Everyone has that available to them. As long as one, they're very clear about what it is that they love to do and what other people are seeking from them as much as I would love to say, like, if you love doing something that does not make you money, that's a hobby and that's okay, but it can't be a business unless other people are willing to pay you for it. And likely everyone has a zone of genius that people are willing to be compensate them for it. That is one of my favorite parts. What you just said, like everyone has a zone of genius. When I started thinking about the same stuff, like, okay, what's the stuff I have to get off my plate right away? It was like spreadsheets and like checking, like just like data points and like checking in on clients at certain times and checking all these boxes and stuff. And when I started looking to hire someone to do that, I was honestly shocked that people like doing that. 
our director of operations right now, she does like heel clicks for Google spreadsheets and she'll like just create new ones all of the time. And I'm like, are you kidding? She's like, are you kidding me? You pay me for this. And I think that that is such an aha moment for entrepreneurs or visionaries or creatives or people who have this like big idea. They think that they're the crazy one or no one would be willing to do this with me or no one would do the zone of UGG stuff. But yes, like you said, everyone does have that zone of genius. And like my woo-woo side, Sarah, is if we all can move into our zone of genius 100%, I think the whole world would be harmonious. I think there are enough people who make earrings. And I think there are enough people who fight fires and love spreadsheets that that is just what we should be doing. And all of this forcing ourselves to be things that we're not game it's just holding us back in big, big ways. My gosh, I'm right there with you. I've, I'm a big believer in just having everyone get the baseline income. And if that thing that lights you up in your zone of genius is creating classical music, then we need that as a society. And we would then educate you in classical music. We would pay for that because we need music yeah. in society. We need art. We need all of those things that are currently like starving artists. So I'm right there with you. I believe everyone should be paid for the thing that they they just truly love because anything that you love doing is a gift to humanity in some way. If you love it, it it's there to be shared with the rest of the world. We're not there yet though. We are very much still in the, you have to be in business or have a hobby, but I think we're getting ever so closer and the more work that people like yourself and me do, where we get to live in that zone of genius. I think it invites other people to also do the work of figuring out what is their zone of genius and what do they love to show up for. And so talk to me about how did you identify, aside from that exercise, what was the journey getting from this is what my zone of genius is and how do I get there? Yeah, it was interesting because of course, hindsight, it's very clear. And you're probably picturing me on the beach, just writing this down and being like, oh, obviously that's my zone of genius. But I did a lot of that sifting and sorting. So I was a yoga teacher and a health coach and I started getting coaching clients and then wanted to change gears a little bit because health coaching evolved into business coaching. And I did business coaching for six years where I helped other coaches start to get clients and I was finding my energy just really waning. Now, I wasn't, I didn't have the same spark in the morning. I wasn't excited about new clients. Like I just was kind of plateauing. And at the same time, the pandemic was on us. And so a lot of us were starting to look at what are we doing? What's next? How do I evolve with this state of the world? And I was really feeling stuck. What I did is I started asking other people what they saw in me. So I went to my favorite clients the ones that still lit me up. And those happened to be the people who had worked with me for a year or more. And so I had conversations with them about what if I did this? What do you really get from me? What else might I be able to contribute to your business? And what kept coming through was you should just do the marketing for me. <laughs> you know, you're editing my content all the time anyway. You're giving me all of the ideas. Just get me out of the way. And why don't you just do the marketing for me? And that lit me up because honestly, it did feel like putting a square peg in a round hole with these coaches who wanted to coach. And then I'm like teaching them copywriting and marketing. And it was just not their zone of genius. And so that was the kind of the decision I made was to work in a, just a test it out kind of phase with these clients. All right, you stay in your zone of genius of coaching. I'm going to stay in this zone of genius of marketing for your business. 
And really the rest is history because exactly what we're talking about, when you're in your zone of genius, we all go further, faster, and more harmonious ways. And then an interesting thing happened where I became my own bottleneck. Again, y'all, there are iterations. It is trial and error, right? You get to a different level and then you find a new problem, which is a great thing to have new problems. So the new problem was that I had too many clients and I couldn't do all of the marketing for them. And then this is when, again, I had to look at, okay, what am I doing and what needs to get delegated or reorganized in my, the same quadrant. And this is when I realized that I was going to have to shift from copywriter to CEO and hire other copywriters who wanted my dream job, who wanted to bring their expertise to the table. And I think the biggest lesson for me is that it is this ongoing sifting and sorting and that the law of attraction just likes more people knowing about what you do and you giving them more of their good energy or putting them in their zone of genius, that that process, not necessarily that decision or that move, but that process of always looking at, am I in my zone of genius? What other zones do I need has been really big. Absolutely. And one thing that I've personally recognized is that not only is it a, a process, it's of identifying what those things are. It's also, as you mentioned earlier, the mindset process of becoming comfortable with recognizing you might not be the best person for that task. We get this so much, especially with first-time entrepreneurs, that we have this opinion that no one can do it like I can do it. And that's probably true, but other people might be able to do it even better than you can. And sometimes that's a blow to the ego. And sometimes it's really hard to stomach or even comprehend. I have people who are like, literally, if I don't go to an event, there's no possible way that event is going to go as well with me not there as when I am there. And maybe that's true, but also maybe it's, we have this expectation of what it looks like when we're there and we think that's the best. But then if we're not there, the client might also still think it's a great event and Oftentimes when we're there and we're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that thing happened. We ran out of club soda or Sprite or whatever it is. The client doesn't even notice. That's something we notice. And it's not about when or if something's going to go wrong. Something will go wrong. It's do you trust your team to handle that and then recover? Mm -hmm. Totally. I was there 100%. Getting the copywriting secret sauce out of my head has been a year long process because it's so natural to me. And one of the things your audience might appreciate because it's kind of in the food industry, but growing up, I would watch food TV and Emeril Lagasse with my dad, right? The guy like, bam, okay, like throw spices (laughs) in the pan. We would watch his show and we would sometimes like do his recipes. It never looked like what he had going on. So Emeril was the man. You might feel like you're the only one who can cook like him or show up like you or who can write like me. But you know what Emeril has done with his genius is that he has literally bottled it up. So we at least get some of it. So now my dad has like the emerald knives and the emerald spices and the emerald pots and pans, okay? And I use this example because before, Emerald was the only person doing this. He was buying, you know, he's on TV, we could watch, but his impact, and this is a silly example, but think about this in your own life, in your own business. If you keep trying to do all the things and recording all the shows and doing all of the events by yourself, That is what it will be. It will be you doing that. And maybe you'll go viral on TikTok. I don't know. But if you can start to bottle up some of your systems, some of your secret sauce, some of your zest and flavor and give it to other people, 
even if it's not the full-fledged emerald in your kitchen, they're going to get a little bit of that flavor. And this comes into like team building culture and coming up with systems and processes in your business. But it's that mindset shift of, I have to do it all to you are the biggest bottleneck and you are holding everyone back from the great vision that you have by trying to keep it all to yourself. Even if I got 50% of your program, Sarah, that would be so much more. And you're always going to think you can give me more and you should have done it better. And oh, what if, you know, you put this cherry on top, but I didn't even have that one slice. And now I have some of Sarah and that's way more than I ever had. Right. So there's also that kind of like, I did get over myself that like, oh, not everyone's going to get me as their writer, but Lindsay brings her flavor and she uses our pots and pans and wow, now we're impacting five times as many people as when I was just trying to be the Hannah show. Yeah, yeah. So often I hear mobile bar owners that are like, I'm maxed out, I'm fully booked. And I'm like, no, you're, no. if you're fully booked, then it's time to grow. It's a time to add on more rigs, time to add on more bartenders. I mean, granted, not everybody wants to build an empire, but that's literally my place in this industry is to teach people how to build an empire. If you want a little baby business, that's okay, but you don't need me for that. You need me to be like, you're never fully booked. You should be growing your team. And that's where people get really nervous. So like, ah, I don't know if I'm a good leader or who's going to like tow my rigs if it's not me. These, like if when we're wearing our CEO hat, all of these problems are easily accomplished and overcome. When we're wearing our like solopreneur hat where we are the bottleneck, then these are insurmountable because we're trying to be all things to all people. But when we identify these problems from a CEO's perspective, then it's as simple as, oh, well, then I'll just find someone who is qualified to tow these vehicles. I'll just bring on more bartenders to my staff and I will get them orientated and trained. And then we can continue to grow. If you're a mobile bar company and you're really searching and seeking to become an industry leader, you're never booked. You're just never booked. I love that. I love that. So true. Really good. And so Hannah, you specifically do marketing for people. And I know personally, as well as stories of other mobile bar owners that have tried to outsource or delegate bits and pieces of their social media marketing myself many times. And every time I struggle because I feel like my voice is being lost or the imagery isn't really on brand. So talk to me and the rest of the mobile bar community about what does it look like to outsource parts of your marketing in a way that stays on brand? How do you know that you're getting a marketer that's not just trying to stick you in their formula, which a lot of, I think, the bigger marketing companies now, they're like, let us take your marketing. It's, it's like, okay, now I'm a cog in your wheel. So how do we go about outsourcing and delegating marketing for our small little baby businesses without also feeling like we're selling our soul? Mm, yeah. Well, there's a lot you want to think about before delegating, right? You don't want to just do drive-by delegation. Like, oh, good, a VA in the Philippines that can do all this while I sleep. Okay, not the best approach. And I think a lot of people see that shiny object of like, it's done for me. Oh my gosh, set it and forget it. Okay, we are not a crock pot, <laughs> right? We are a team. And so the way that we have identified or really been able to personify our clients to the point of people saying very much, this is you, their mom calling and saying, I love the email you sent. And our client being like, what email did we send? I did not write that, which happens often is that we become your marketing department. It's not just, oh, make graphics for me or make this page. But we really do position ourselves as that marketing department. So we have a process that we go through with every client to dive deeply into their brand. 
their vibe, their values, and their voice. And we work intimately to strategically pull out key elements of how our clients work. The other thing that we know that is really important is to understand their audience. So, so often people like, I want it to like sound just like me, or I want it to be good for me. But we also need to find that like market fit. So we also do strategic market research and some client interviews and some testimonial deep dives to make sure that we're saying things that are also strategic and on brand. A few of these hacks is actually listening to our clients. So we go into the archives and we listen to their podcasts and we watch how they communicate in Facebook. Like if they're using a lot of emojis or if they swear, like our team is creepy. We stalk our clients and they love it. And people watching is my favorite pastime. And so there's that system and process. And there's also just that fit that we are here and we're becoming you for the long haul. And we're looking at how you connect with your audience. So having some sort of conversation of how is this different? Show me some of your other clients. And if all their work looks the same, or they work with people who are just like very cookie cutter, you might have to ask some more questions or look for someone who really does become part of your business. And this is my recommendation to people hiring. This is kind of a side tangent, but really think about bringing people into your team less than delegating or outsourcing. I'm going to give this to some other company. It's like, who can I bring into my team? Not full-time, not even contractor, but thinking about that relationship, like not drive-by delegation to the overnight seas, but who's on my team thinking that way. So the other thing that I think is really important about delegating marketing is remembering that marketing is an experiment. So the mistake that most people make is that they think, oh, this week's content is bad or this month didn't work. Well, the truth is <laughs> marketing is a lifelong experiment. And if you can work with someone who takes feedback and is willing to iterate and you can share ideas and be in communication, we do this over Slack every day. This doesn't have to be like big meetings with whiteboards, right? But if you can find someone who's willing to iterate and experiment and be in the day-to-day -day with you, I think you'll feel a lot better about what's being created because it's not just made in a silo. It's made in your business. I love all of that. And based on what you said, and I would agree with this, it feels very much like in order to get the max amount of value from delegating or bringing in a marketing partner into your business, that you have a really solid grasp of who you are to the market, who your client is to the market, how you like to show up, the voice that you like to use, et cetera. And I think this is really important because oftentimes when mobile bars are first getting started, they're still figuring all of that out. And I would venture to say that most mobile bars that I see in the market and that I work with don't really hit that specific stage wherein it would be beneficial for both the partner and the business to bring an outside party in until one of two things happen. One, they're super clear on who they are, what they do, and who they serve so that they can pass on that information to a team like yours. And that usually looks probably around the 18 to 24 month mark, or they are just getting started and they have the budget to bring someone in, a team like yours that can help build out that voice, who they are, their archetype, the ideal client, how they want to show up, et cetera. Does that sound about right? Yeah, absolutely. I think people come to us in both of those categories and 
I honestly love working with people who don't have it figured out because we can be so strategic about it, right? Instead of throwing spaghetti at the wall, should I be on Facebook? Should I do this? Should I say this? Do I want to work with unicorns or do I want to work with whatever? Like being able to have experts give you some feedback at the beginning really does cut down a lot of the spaghetti throwing. Is it lunchtime? Like all my, I guess you're just inspiring me. Food and bar businesses. I have so many food metaphors today because I, and this is not just in marketing, but I am someone who's always found that the feedback of an expert or someone who just has a different lens or who has a different pulse on things helps me get out of my head, which is usually just what I think I want to do, (laughs) which isn't always the most helpful for marketing or for business. So both of those are true. And I think whether or not you hire, I think having conversations or at least continuing to listen to things like this with Sarah to give you more perspectives is helpful before that 18 to 24 month mark. Yeah, absolutely. As someone who has built multiple businesses at this point, if I was to start a third business, I would put more upfront capital into it and I would hire experts like yourself from the very get-go because it's either time and experience or money. You have two, those are the two ways that you can do anything, right? You either spend time and experience learning to do it yourself or you spend money to have someone else do it for you. So assuming that we have a portion of the population out there that's either willing or ready to spend money to bring in someone to help them with their marketing, what should they be prepared to spend in order to do that in a manner like your team does where you stock their ideal clients, you get a real good sense of who they're working with and then start developing not only a strategy, but the actual content. Yeah. So again, there's such a range in this. You can pay someone in the Philippines $5 an hour to like do some stuff for you, right? Our packages start at $700 a month to be just totally clear and answer that question. And it goes up from there based on what we identify as the levers to pull. So if you're someone who's at just starting out and you like need a website, then maybe that's important. But I think, like you said, knowing that it will either take time capital or money capital is important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really important knowledge to have because oftentimes people think, well, there's no way I can afford someone on my team that's doing marketing full time. And what your team or teams like yours are offering is a full-ish experience of having a marketer on your team, but not necessarily a full 40 hours straight out of the gate. And so you, you bridge the gap between I'm not big enough to have anyone on my team and also I am big enough to have someone on my team and I need them full-time. Full-time scares me, to be honest. <laughs> I think having a full-time employee is something that may not even be necessary for a lot of these types of businesses, right? If you can think about, again, who do you want on your team? Contractors, part-time experts, collaborators. I think that there's a ton of possibility in getting people in their zone of genius next to you so that you can amplify what you're here to do and the vision that you have and not be caught up in the weeds of, some of the other day-to-day things. Oh my gosh, you've just put your finger on one of the theories that I have for the way that the, not only the entrepreneurial community, but I think even some of the more established business models are going to proceed in the future, wherein we have more subject matter experts in a contractor basis instead of the full-time employee that 
just does all of this silo stuff. And not only is it going to make people better, people are going to really enjoy doing what they do. And instead of being a W-2 for one company, you might be your own business owner and do like partial contract work, 25% for this company, 25% for that. And that that's even just for the people who want to just be a sole contractor, not like yourself who put the CEO hat on and built out your team. That's always going to be an option. But I very much envision people finding what their zone of genius is and then just picking maybe four or five companies and that's all they do for them. And back to the world being in more harmony. (laughs) Every mobile business that we build could raise consciousness if we want to go down that way. But I think there is so much possibility right now with the way the world is changing. I mean, yeah, it's changing. We can think outside of the boxes that we were given, like we kind of started this conversation and going back to that ideal of like, what does freedom look like for you? Who can help you? What's in that zone of genius? What's in that zone of UG? And keep living the dream. Keep living the dream. Amazing. Well, Hannah, I've enjoyed having you on the podcast today. And I'm going to put all of your contact information in the show notes for anybody who wants to reach out to Hannah and her team and have them start stalking them and taking over their marketing and all of that great stuff. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks, Sarah. And that wraps up today's episode. I hope it was valuable. I would love to hear from you what you thought. You can drop me a line at hello at mobilebevpros.com or find me on Instagram at mobilebevpros. If you're looking for more valuable mobile bar related content, we have a website full of it. You can find us at www.mobilebevpros.com. And I'd love to see you in our Facebook community, also by the name of, you guessed it, Mobile Bev Pros. Thank you for joining me today. And until next time, cheers.